You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit VOTR.Church. Amen. Amen and good morning. It's so great to worship with all of you here. Of course, uh, I always want to welcome everyone in the live stream as well. Please know we're praying for you and we have hopes and expectations God will meet you however you're tuning in with us this morning. If we've never gotten a chance to meet before, my name is Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard. Excited to continue talking about how our one day to feed the world can impact and change the world all around us. We're going to talk this morning a lot about our work with Convoy of Hope. They're our biggest missions partner and we're going to invite you at the end of this service and really for the next week or so to give and to give generously to our mission partners. Uh, you'll also get a chance to hear from a couple of members of our church who have a lot of firsthand experience with Convoy of Hope, in particular our work in Zimbabwe as well, which I'm excited for that. But, but my hope and prayer, I want you to know this on the front end, my hope and prayer for you this morning is yes, that you'll be encouraged to give and you'll catch the vision of what we're doing around the world, but also that you'll begin to experience and know God's heart for the poor. And as you read scripture, as you look from Genesis to Revelation, from the very beginning to the the very end of this book, every page almost talks about the heart of God towards the poor, the overlooked, the under-resourced, the suffering, and you just come, the pages come alive with God's heart for those in need. Christianity, and we can never forget this, it's about a personal relationship with Jesus and what he's done to usher you into the kingdom forever, but it's also about learning to follow God as he discloses his heart to us. He shapes us into his image, and we go about doing the work of the kingdom. I'm excited to look in the Gospels to discover the heart of Christ with all of you this morning, but I want to start by talking about a few people from modern history. A few people from modern history, both of these people passed away in the same exact week a number of years ago, and and one of them was wildly famous when it comes to the kingdoms of this world, quite literally the kingdoms of this world, but one of them was incredibly famous in the kingdom of heaven, yet overshadowed because they died so close to one another. Like I said, they both died in the same week, and even though I was younger when this happened, or young, I guess you could say I was young when this happened, I remember one of them being on the news stations everywhere. Every time I turned on the TV, they were talking about one of these people, but just a number of days later, this other person died, and I never heard a story about this other person. Let's throw up the slide and look at the the two women I'm talking about, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa. Princess Diana died on August 31st, 1997. Just a handful of days, uh, a handful of days later, Mother Teresa passed on September 5th, 1997, the same exact week. And, and if you remember these times, if you're old enough to remember, like I can finally say that, you're old enough to remember this, like this actually like applies to my life for once. If you're old enough to remember, you can remember the candlelight services and the, and the ceremonies and the parades for Princess Diana. And of course you would have those things, right? She was literal royalty. The whole world stopped to mourn and grieve that loss. Mother Teresa, on the other hand, is famous 
as she is in heaven was largely overshadowed despite her deep and incredible sacrificial love for the world around her. And if we're being honest, we're being frank about the kind of cultural moment that we live in today. If you just look around and you just pay attention to this cultural moment that we live in today, I would say that we still live in a world that celebrates royalty and largely forgets about faithfulness. You can see it all over social media, right? The amount of hours and time and energy that people spend to live like royalty, even though none of us will ever actually get a chance to do that because you have to be actually born into the family. And yet all of us can be like Mother Teresa. Everyone can serve the poor. Everyone can love a neighbor. Everyone can have eyes to see. Everyone can give of their life and their bank account generously to work in God's kingdom, caring for those in need. I mean, I am baffled by this reality. I'm struck by this reality that both of them died so close together, and yet so many of us put energy into being like royalty, even though we'll never get the chance. I'm a father of three. I have three kids, boy, girl, girl. That's how the order of my children go. They're 11, 9, and 7 now, so we don't play this game anymore. But when we were young, when my kids were younger, uh, we, I got very well acquainted with the famous board game Pretty Pretty Princess. I've donned the necklaces, and I've put on the earrings, and I've placed the tiara atop my head. I have won the game quite the image for you this morning, right? I'm, I'm like, out of, the, I'm, out of the, all the things that you could applaud for, that's the one. <clears throat> We've played this game many times. And it doesn't matter how many times I pretend or how many times my daughters pretend, we'll never be royalty in that kind of way, but we can always give ourselves to caring for those in need. We can sign up for that time and time and time again. We can all become more like Mother Teresa, and in doing so, become a bit more like Jesus Christ. As we talk about giving one day's wage, whatever you would earn in one day throughout your year to feed the poor through our partners of Convoy of Hope, I want to remind you that this idea of caring for the poor and having a generous heart for those in need, this isn't something that Convoy of Hope created. This isn't something that our church kind of came up with the phrase around all of this, all of it, all of the heart of gener and generosity towards those in need, it comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from the very heart of Christ himself. That's what we're gonna dig into a little bit this morning before we invite our guests up because it's important for us to see this in scripture and to experience the heartbeat of God before we talk about kind of the nuts and bolts and the hands and feet of how this lives out in our life. I want to read a really important passage from the life and ministry of Jesus Christ this morning, one that happened towards the front end of his ministry and kind of served as a benchmark on how he was going to interact in the world around him. This is from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. You can read it on the screen with me or in your Bibles. When he, speaking of Jesus, when Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, <clears throat> he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus opens the scroll, discloses this messianic prophecy, reads it for the whole synagogue, and he's saying, this is who I am. This is the heart of Christ. Verse 20, he rolled up the scroll. Man, I just love the Bible. You have to know... We pray this all the time. We pray this all the time that anyone who preaches here, that our church as a whole, that this would be true of who we are, that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon us to proclaim the good news to the poor, the brokenhearted, the blind, for anyone who needs to experience the favor of the Lord. This is our prayer. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him. They looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. This scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is the heart of Christ. This is the heart of Christ. If you think about this passage and you just let me fill in the gaps a little bit beforehand and a little bit after, because there's some really interesting context happening all around Luke 4. This is kind of the lead up to this moment. Jesus was recently baptized. After his baptism, he went into the desert for 40 days where he was tested by Satan and tempted. And afterwards, it says in the scripture that he was filled with the very power of God. And he started preaching and doing ministry all around. And then he shows up in his boyhood home, Nazareth. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine preaching anything in my hometown. Nothing. I mean, I, I, some of you know my story. I was a wreck. In my, I had to leave my hometown to find God. I can't imagine going back there and trying to preach anything. And Jesus was even sinless. I mean, he lived a perfect life. And they still had a hard time hearing his words. A little bit later in this passage, it said they, they got so angry, they mobbed him, and they tried to throw him off the cliff. And Jesus just calmly walked through them all. But imagine the courage and the boldness of Christ to show up in the synagogue, to open the scroll, something that was prophesied 700 years before Jesus even showed up, to find the reading in Isaiah 61, to read it out loud. And then as everyone's staring at him intently, he just goes, this is fulfilled in your very, in your very presence today. That passage is about me. This is who I am. This is how I'm showing up in the world around me. Now maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering what this church is all about or you're wondering who Jesus is. Can you trust him? Are you interested in exploring more of, of what he's about and who he is? And I, I really wanna encourage you to wrestle with this passage this morning because it tells us exactly who Jesus is. This is what he said about himself and it's who we aim to be here at the vineyard. He was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, which means, by the way, anyone who lacks anything, 
It means those with, with less financial substance and wherewithal, but it means anyone. It's, it's, the word picture is like a, a riverbed that's completely dried up. Anywhere in your life where you just feel dry and empty, Jesus has come to preach the gospel to the poor. He's here to fill you with his love and presence. He came to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind. That's literal or symbolic. To set the oppressed free and to usher in a time of God's great favor. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, this is who he is. This is Jesus. This is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ will bless you and it will set you free and it will open your eyes and give you favor with God. And if you've kind of been hanging around Christianity or exploring this, this man named Jesus, but you've never made the first decision to go all in with him, I want you to know that first decision is so important. And it will, it will start a journey of a thousand other decisions of following him, but the first one is important. And if you've never made that decision, then we're so glad that you're here and you're worshiping with us because every Sunday we gather, we give people an opportunity to make the first decision to follow Jesus. This is who he is. Straight from the scriptures. It's who we are as a church and it's why we partner so strongly with Convoy of Hope. It's why I can stand so boldly before you and say if you're looking for a missions partner, Give to Convoy of Hope because we want to train our minds. We want to disciple our hearts. And we want to do that in a way so that our bank accounts reflect the values of Jesus Christ as well. That through Convoy and through our generosity, we can be a part of preaching the gospel to the poor all around the world. This is the heart of everything that we're going to share this morning. We can't, we can't forget about Luke 4 as we bring our guests up and we have them tell us about the breadth of Convoy's ministry. And you're gonna hear some amazing stories, but you have to remember the foundation is right from Scripture. It's from Jesus Christ himself. Well, let's invite our friends up. This morning, I have two spiritual mature giants among us who are going to be sharing Brian McLeese and Doug Holbrook. Can you help me bring these guys up on stage? Brian has an incredible spiritual maturity. Maturity. I wasn't joking about that at all. Uh, in a lot of ways, he helps pastor me, but he works for Convoy of Hope, and he's seen everything that they do. And Doug, uh, at my right hand here, if I can say, I don't know, this just came out. Um, <clears throat> recently got a chance to visit firsthand our work in Zimbabwe. If you're new to our church, that's like kind of pri the primary vehicle of where we find ourselves working with Convoy of Hope. And so I'm excited that he'll be able to share what he saw there as well. But Brian, I want to start with you. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the breadth of ministry that you have uh, seen at Convoy of Hope and all the different kind of mechanisms where you see Convoy at work. Thank you um, for that opportunity. I, I just want you to know that um, Convoy of Hope is really a spirit-born and spirit-led ministry that's becoming a movement. And all the ideas that have shaped into pillar programs have been birthed um, in the field and breathed on by the Holy Spirit. Um, for example, uh, the tip of the spear often being disaster response. Um, 
this year, so far as of last week, uh, through you guys partnering with Convoy of Hope, churches around the world have been resourced to serve as first responders uh, in disaster to over 2.8 million people so far this year. Um, so, yeah. And, and the way you do that, right, is when you, when you land, you look for friends in the kingdom. You look for local churches who can right. open their buildings, open their parking lots to be kind of a hub for all the work that you're doing. True, except in the case of war. Um, Which, yeah. unfortunately, is all over the place, right? Yeah, but on behalf of that 2.8 million opportunities for churches to say, can we pray with you right now on the worst day of their life? Uh, Many are more open to the gospel in that moment than they would have been prior, which reminds us of the words of Jesus. You know, these things, when you hear of wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, um, look at it like birth pangs, which is really a strange, contrary sort of perspective from Jesus. Yeah. Um, but you think of places like, you know, domestically, internationally, over 72 disasters so far this year um, in places like Morocco, Syria, Turkey, Libya, Maui, um, a couple of countries I won't mention because we don't want to put people at risk. We're working exclusively through local churches. But even Florida. That's <laughs> um, a dangerous place it's to work, a, it's too. A, I mean, that's... It can be. Um, if you've seen things on the internet, yeah. Um, but assistance in terms of water, hygiene kits, food, clothing, shelter, temporary shelter, um, sifting boxes where you know a wildfire has gone through um, the city in Maui, Lahaina, helping people find precious valuables, hopefully in the ashes. Just picture the church being the primary partner in each of those moments. So thank you on behalf of everyone yeah. there. But the other programs that are birthed out that of that... usually leads to other yeah. mechanisms, too. So tell us a little bit about yeah. some of those as well. In a lot of creative access countries, how Conway has resourced churches has opened the door for um, children's feeding initiatives. And from that, you know, we're at currently feeding over half a million children every day. Wow. That was a goal for uh, 2025, to reach a half a million, we're already there with a goal of a million by 2030. Thanks to you, we're ahead of schedule. But what we noticed was in the field at schools, mothers would come and wait all day for their kids to get out of school because it's a dangerous place to go to school. And the idea was birthed, well, they're gonna be here all day. What if we empower them to start businesses? You know, so <laughs> last year, just so you know that we're not just tinkering around the edges, um, but this is something that Jesus is breathing on. Uh, 34,988 women started businesses last year. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, the longitudinal studies that are done show that after five years, 98% of these ladies are still uh, yielding multiple um, profit wow. from their businesses. And then from that, many of them opted for agriculture, and north of 25,000 farmers were trained last year. That's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> and 
There's this guy who works for Convoy of Hope. I, I affectionately call him, as many do, Dr. Dirt. Because yeah. he's got like his PhD in soil, soil and science, sustainability yeah. and all kinds of... I mean, right. he's really, really brilliant man. Yeah. But he goes to these countries, basically figures out the best way to train people in their, um, in their country with their soil and their moisture, how to build crops that are going to thrive there. Is it, yeah. This yeah. is Dr. Dirt, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, and they, we just two weeks ago opened a global training center for him to actually do that from Missouri uh, for even more farmers around the world. And they have all the soils that are from the regions, 12 different soil um, that they monitor and, and work with to enrich. So they can do that in the lab and then train people in the field now uh, through the internet. That's awesome. So, and I just want to say too, I don't, I don't know, I mean, if our entire church, everybody viewing online knows this, but there are organizations that make sure this organization is doing what they said they were going to do. One of them is called Charity Navigator. They're kind of like the nonprofit watchdog to make sure the stewardship of, of our generosity is held to the highest level. And you guys are the champions of receiving that award. I mean, it's years and years in a row of being the top mark. Yeah. Um, they only give four stars, and Conway of Hope has received that rating 19 years straight. And it's, it's yeah, yeah, glory to Jesus. <laughs> but it, beyond um, ethics and economics, uh, efficiency is one of those ratings. And you have to see that in that whole picture, those programs that we described are actually breaking the cycle of poverty without creating a culture of dependency so that we won't be feeding grandchildren in the places where we're working. But fewer than 1% of the 1.5 million charities operating in the United States have that rating. It's amazing. Which is a God story. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, I would, <clears throat> and then we're going to get to you too, Doug. Uh, I, just hearing you and knowing that you work with Convoy and, and your reach is extensive, um, and knowing you as a man of God with incredible spiritual maturity, uh, I, I would love for you to pray for us before we talk with Doug, because there is a lot of unrest happening all over the world, and right now in the Middle East, I mean, this has been in our news every day, and there are countless tragedies happening. I would love not only for, for us to give and give generously, but for us to pray. And I'm wondering yeah. if you would be able to pray for some of the heartache that's happening right now. And yeah. That we would join him in this prayer as well. Yeah, I, I do want to pray. I want to pray the scripture, but I want to do it with hope. Um, you know, this Tuesday will be 600 days from the time the, the war in Ukraine broke out. And thanks to you and partners like you around the nation, around the world, over 80% of all churches in Ukraine have been resourced through your partnership with Convoy of Hope. So there is hope. And in those churches, it's standing room only, mostly men coming to Christ in those churches where we're serving. So let's remember that. I just want to pray a scripture, if that's okay. Father, I just pray... Um, that you would release wisdom from above that is, first of all, pure and peace-loving and gentle at all times. We pray this over the region, over the region where you were born, Jesus. 
that this heart that was in your heart would be replicated in the lives of people in true repentance, that they'd be willing to yield to the benefit of others, that the leaders who make choices would be full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds as they make choices. May they not show favoritism. May they always be sincere. And us this morning, I pray this part of the scripture in James, that those who are peacemakers today, through bringing a day's wage, would plant seeds of peace. Seeds of peace that will reap a harvest of righteousness. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, Brian. <clears throat> you can have that one. If you're new to the vineyard, um, or maybe you heard this and, and just forgot, that's why I'm here. I'm here to remind you of all the things that we're doing in Zimbabwe. And that's part of the reason why Doug is here. Everything that you just heard from Brian is happening in Zimbabwe. I have a couple pictures that are going to show up behind me of my most recent trip to Zimbabwe. And just want to take what Brian said and remind you what's happening in Zimbabwe right now. It's, of course, we started with disaster relief. And so when famine and drought hit Zimbabwe, there were about 9 million people at risk of starvation. And we partnered with Convoy of Hope. And, and just as a, as a humble reminder, but I'm, I'm so grateful for this, we were the first church in with Convoy of Hope in Zimbabwe. And we started, and, and of course, like we know this, but I wanna say it explicitly, there were already churches at work in Zimbabwe, but in terms of vineyard churches and partnering with Convoy, we were the first church in and we started with 99,000 emergency meals to help ease the drought. And from that disaster relief, we set up children's feeding programs, women empowerment programs, and ag and teaching and training programs. And the most recent numbers that I've heard are that we've well, not only dug multiple wells and helped plant a church, but we're feeding 4,000 kids every single day, just this church. Um, so we're 4,000 out of that 500,000. That's our piece of the pie. We've trained 205 farmers to grow crops in their region, and we've helped empower 130 women to start businesses to care for their families and their neighborhoods. And I want to say that's a direct result of the generosity of this church. And so I just want to say thank you for doing that. I'm just so thankful for that. But um, that was my trip a year ago. We have someone who's been there more recently than me. This is Doug Holbrook, a longtime member of our church, a, a friend. And you were there like within the last couple of months. Yeah, we, we were ago. there uh, at the end of August, so it's just been like seven weeks ago. I'd love to hear a, a little bit about your journey there, and I know you met Pastor Dixon and his yep. wife, Chipo, so tell our church a little bit about what you saw. And Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, first, thanks for the opportunity, because this has been on my heart. I've been wanting to share uh, what we experienced there. I think I could talk for hours, but... Jeff told me not to, so we're, we'll be okay. Amen. So, so I want to focus on, yeah, we, we, uh, when we arrived in Zimbabwe, um, uh, the town of Bulawayu, which is the second largest town in Zimbabwe, is where Pastor Dixon and his, the churches are, are based. 
there, he's our local partner there, and so he took a day and a half of his time to take Robin and I to be able to go visit around the, the entire area and see the work and just really see what God is doing, and it was pretty overwhelming. Um, we started kind of around the town. There, We feed 4,000 people there, as Jeff mentioned. There's Pastor Dixon. Um, and then... Um, but as we were talking with Pastor Dixon, he talked about a need for 80,000 kids there. So the, the need is pretty overwhelming. The other thing to note is, depending on what source that, that you uh, look at, the unemployment in Zimbabwe is between 85 and 95 percent. So it's an incredibly um, difficult environment for many people. So there's a lot, a lot, that, a lot of need there in a lot of ways that we make a big impact there. Um, what we, we were most excited and wanted to share with you most about the two women's empowerment um, locations that we visited. And the first one here what, that was up there was called Pumula, or Pumula. But it was focused on agriculture and the agronomy programs that Jeff was talking about, uh, teaching about even what plants to plant to keep insects away and so forth. It was pretty cool. Zimbabwe is um, a landlocked country, and so one of the projects they have there, uh, because fish is a delicacy, is they're building some ponds in order to be able to grow bream, which is very um, high demand for the market uh, for food. So it's a, one, of the, um, one of the programs uh, for the women's empowerment. And so uh, the second one, I think, where... For me, it was kind of an unexpected blessing, but it was Doyana. Yeah, there's... Um, and unfortunately, sorry, Robin couldn't be here today. Um, but uh, so it was a little bit more rural, as you can see in this photo. But what was really cool about it is when we arrived there, uh, there were, there were, there were uh, women working in the, in the field. I think we might have a photo of that one. Um, and Pastor Dixon's like, okay, well, you know, let's all get together and pray and so forth. And, and honestly, we, for me, I just was overwhelming to see all the need and everything that was happening. So when we went ahead and paused to do that, well, the women all gathered around to sing a song. And during that time, I, I, I mean, it was just kind of overwhelming. And it was just like, what God, what you know, let's be present, be in the moment. What, what, what is going on? And as they were singing, I heard this kind of phrase, makana. I don't know why it stuck out to me, but after the singing was over, I, we paused before we prayed, and it was like, what, what, does, what makana, what does that mean? And it means he is good. And it was so powerful to stand there, and even the scripture we're talking about today, preaching the good news, and to know, to, to look around at the, the well and the water tower uh, that are absolutely needed if you're going to get through the dry season for them to continue to be able to farm and raise crops. And um, it, it was just kind of a real humbling moment, but at the same time it was like, I am good. And this was a good thing that was speaking to the the, the people that are there. So... I think that was that was really huge and really touched my heart. Um, over that day and a half, we really got to feel and understand the heart that Pastor Dixon and Chipo have 
for changing the lives of people. There, there are so many visions and projects and things that, that they have in their hearts that they want to see manifested, and I, and I was excited about that. But I think through our partnership with Convoy, you know, it's our offerings went to help dig those wells and to put the water tanks up and to supply the, um, you know, the seeds and everything else required to raise the crops, to, to get the fish in the ponds and so forth. And um, it goes to put foods in the mouths of these children every day, and there's so much more need there. And, you know, I think this is, the you know, being there and experiencing it, it, I can't describe it, but it's it was huge, and I and our one day offering really does go to make a difference in the world, and it was beautiful to to see it and experience it and to see the joy, um, and as I was sitting there, Jeff, I'm I'm ad libbing for a second here, <laughs> but as I was sitting there, I thought of what Saint Francis of Assisi said, and he said. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And when we, when, when we empower and go in and make a change in people's lives, it opens up the door for the entire community to say and to be touched by God. So I want to thank you again for Thanks, the Doug. opportunity to share. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> you take that. Put that down this afternoon. <clears throat> So today the ask is, uh, is pretty simple. This is the call to action. We are inviting you to again give one day's wage. Whatever you earn at whatever job, wherever you work, one day's wage. If you don't have a job, pray about offering your best gift. If you're retired, pray about offering your best gift. Because what we're trying to create is a church who's coming together to bless another. And we would love for you to be part of the very work that Brian and, and Doug are talking about, and of course, the work that we talk about every fall through Convoy of Hope. When giving, you can use the drop-down button online. If you click um, from general, and you click that down arrow, you'll see a one-day or a convoy offering. That's how you can designate any online gift to go to this offering. If you give by writing checks and placing them in the offering boxes in the back, um, we would ask that you would write the check to Vineyard Church of the Rockies and designate it in the memo. And what we've learned is that saves Convoy of Hope a ton of administrative work because what we do is we compile all of those checks together, and later in the fall, we write one large offering to Convoy of Hope. And it has been an incredible thing to be a part of. This is, of course, something that we invite you. We, we rarely do this once a year. We invite you to give above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings. But for Years running, we have given 100% of the Convoy offerings directly to Convoy of Hope. Our commitment to you is that anything that comes in designated for Convoy gets compiled into that large offering and sent away. Last year, we gave $93,000 to Convoy of Hope through all of your collective <laughs> generosity. 
I mean, $93,000 is an incredible amount. That, um, I mean, it's, it's one thing to celebrate the dollar. It's another thing to celebrate the dollar amount tied to the stories of the wells being dug and the reservoirs of water being held and the seeds being planted and the women being empowered and the mouths being fed. And I feel compelled when I hear about 80,000 more children who could be in those lines someday in the future to spread the message, to encourage in generosity in a big way so that we can all be part of preaching the gospel to the poor. I just want to close with this reminder. You know, as you read through Luke 4, this wasn't just lip service. Jesus opened the scroll, he preached the message, and he lived it out. And of course, he finished it on the cross, buried in the tomb, resurrected back to life so that we could join him in the mission of transforming all things. This is what we're about here, but because it's what he's about. It's what he's always been about. And through your one-day gift, we can collectively join God in his mission to preach the gospel to the poor. I imagine uh, my own trip, and I imagine Doug's trip, and I imagine future trips that we will undoubtedly take. I have this thought of, of maybe it's Maybe it's just idealism, but bringing Dixon and Chipo out here someday. And I imagine celebrating with them together and introducing them to so many of you who've made an impact in their ministry. But until that day comes and until we can organize more trips one way or the other, this is how God may be inviting us to join him today, through our simple acts of generosity. So would you pray with me now? Would you pray about your best gift? And would you pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Zimbabwe?